0: Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Have you ever heard of the name Emily Post or the saying, according to Emily Post? That's because she was a world-famous author in the 20th century after writing the book titled Etiquette. And today we have the privilege of talking to her great-great-granddaughter, Lizzie Post, who is co-president of the Emily Post Institute.
1: Lizzie is the first fifth-generation post to join the family business and is an expert on etiquette. We asked Lizzie what it was like to grow up in her family. Does everything have to be very formal and proper? Does she have a butler?
0: And I ask her to clarify a few things for us when it comes to our own etiquette. For example, Steph found out that when someone meets her for the very first time and they put their hand out to say hello, that does not mean they want a bear hug.
1: You guys, I still don't know if I agree with her on that one. But anyways, we can't wait for you to hear this very fun conversation with the etiquette expert, Lizzie Post. I'm Kevin. And I'm Stephanie. And
0: during our marriage, we have dealt with an electrocution, a brain tumor, brain surgery.
1: Then doctors telling us that children were not in our future.
0: All right, stuff. This is going to be super fun.
1: Okay. We've already had a conversation because this <laughs> guest, she's all about etiquette. Yes. And I had you're like, "What are you wearing?" I'm like, "I have a flannel on." And you're like, "Oh." I'm like, "No, I'm changing now because ethically, what do I dress for?" I don't for even the know that's guest? the right word. Ethically? I think like, you
0: just made that up. Dang it. And I told you she's probably going to be early. And so that made you nervous as well. I was
1: so nervous because through this book. Yes. You need to be a little early. But not, but too, not too early. early.
0: Yep. Okay. So friends, our next guest is part of a family business that spans five generations.
1: Amazing.
0: This family has been America's most trusted source for etiquette advice since 1922, when the book Etiquette by Emily Post was published by Funk and Wagnalls. She is the great, great granddaughter of Emily Post and co-president of the Emily Post Institute. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to tell us a good story, Lizzie Post. Oh,
2: Lizzie, welcome. (laughs) That is such a wonderful welcome. Thank you all so much for having me. Okay. Okay. Now,
1: honestly, do we need to dress a certain way for a podcast?
2: I mean, it depends on if you're going to share the video of the podcast. So that's up to you and how you want to present yourselves. But... I am in a, a fleece-lined turtleneck, and uh, it's very comfortable. I'm wearing jeans. You can't see them, but I am wearing pants. <laughs> but truthfully, no formality here. You want to be comfortable to have a great conversation so that the the conversation sounds awesome to the audience, right? And, yes. But it's up to you as a podcast host.
0: <laughs> well, Lizzie, thank you for saying yes to us. And the first thing I want to ask you about is social distancing. Okay, mm. so my wife here hugs everyone she meets yeah, for the first everyone. time. Okay, I so I try to explain to her well, that you don't have to do that. Right, there are social distancing <laughs> rules, and she just completely ignores it. So
1: COVID was not my friend. Was not. not yes, you know, was not. not good for <laughs> stuff.
2: <laughs>
0: so can you please explain to stuff that when someone reaches their hand out when they meet them for the first time, that does not mean they want a hug.
2: I think you just said it perfectly. So when someone reaches their hand out, that means they're going for a handshake, not a hug. But here's a good solution for us huggers out there. And traditionally in my life, I've been a hugger. But over time and through business, I started realizing that I don't actually want a hug in every situation. And that sometimes that hug feels too intimate. It's a full body press. That can be a lot for meeting yes. a stranger. That can be a lot depending on how you feel about your body and other people's bodies. And so uh, the best thing you can do is when you your arms go wide okay. as you're walking up to someone with that big bright smile on your face it just said, would a hug be welcome? And if they <laughs> say no... That's when you keep that big smile on your face, reach out your hand and say, it is such a pleasure to meet you or, oh my gosh, it is so wonderful to see you again. Those are the ways to kind of get through that awkward moment of, are we going to hug? Are we not going to hug? I'm a hugger, but I don't know if you're a hugger.
1: (laughs) See, here's the thing, Lizzie. It's never awkward for me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's never awkward for the hugger. It's the other person who you (laughs) want to try to to get at.
2: And when we're talking about etiquette, that's something that we really want to pay attention to. We never want to disrespect ourselves, but we always want to be aware of our impact on other people.
0: Oh, oh stuff. Well, I nice love way that. To say it. That was a great way to start this conversation <laughs> because I, yeah. you are known for giving, quote, aggressive hugs. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for listeners who may not be familiar with Emily Post, the person, can you take a moment to share who she actually was?
2: Sure. So, Emily Post was my great great grandmother, and she was born in uh, 1872. So, that's not that long after the Civil War. And her life spanned basically from horse and buggy and handwritten letters all the way through to she she watched Sputnik launch. I mean, that's a mind blowing change in the world around you throughout an entire lifetime. She lived till about 80 years old. and. When I think about what she had to handle and then how she handled it, she becomes even more incredible to me. And for those who are listening that are interested more in her life, there's a phenomenal biography about her by a woman named Laura Claridge. And it is just such an inspirational story of a woman who started out with a very prescribed life that she would get married and have children and be a hostess in high high society in New York life. And instead ended up with, with the husband and the children, then getting a divorce for very reasonable reasons, we should say, and then going on to become an independent career woman. She took on an entire writing career before she even became famous for etiquette. At 50, writes this book, Etiquette, and becomes a global sensation, multiple printings in the first couple of months, bestseller status in the first couple of months, and a career that she couldn't slow down She couldn't even slow it down for two generations after her. We're still going strong as a fifth generation family business. I think it is incredible what she was able to put into the world and so much of why it had staying power was because Emily Post did not say that etiquette is one way and it should stay this way and we should preserve it in exactly this form. She always made her etiquette about consideration, respect, and honesty. She did not say etiquette is something to be exclusive with. We are all capable of looking at our own behavior and seeing how it impacts others, whether you're holding a door for someone or getting married to them. So
1: where do you think she came up with the idea to write a book about etiquette?
2: Oh, you have asked a fabulous question, Steph. There's the family legend story, and then there's the biographical story, (laughs) which we're really glad that Laura Claridge discovered. The family story is that Emily, as an author... Was begged to write this book that the publisher was coming to her knocking on her door and she was sending them away, sending them away. And it's very dramatic. And she finally acquiesces to the meeting and says, Oh, I'll give it a try. And then 627 (laughs) pages later, she's got this world famous book. The actual version that our biographer found out was that Emily was interested in the topic. She had floated the idea of of writing about it and I believe was kind of turned down on it. And then a few years later, as etiquette books kind of had a moment in society, we're talking about uh, the 19 teens and 20s when, the, you know, the Jazz Age, Cultural Revolution were all really in the face of Americans and we were looking for ways to figure out how to behave. She was looking at the material that was out there and that was all based on shame and embarrassment and that you needed to learn things so you wouldn't embarrass yourself. And Emily despised that. Hmm. She thought it was such a terrible way to present etiquette to people. She wanted it to be presented as a tool for personal betterment. And she just felt that this other version of it that was trying to guilt people and shame them into good behavior was just the wrong approach. And it really kind of got her going and got her writing the book. But So she did end up uh, writing the book and it, and it became a world famous hit.
1: <laughs> Do you know how long it took to write a 650 plus page book?
2: I believe she signed the contract in January and then the book came out in July. Oh my and gosh. Like this is unprecedented. I mean, I I know how long it took me to write this version of the book. I can't imagine having to do it in the time frame that she did it. And bear in mind, y'all, that's handwritten. That's not that's not a computer with an editing service, you know, program built into it. That's a handwritten manuscript. So really fascinating. Really incredible. She would write in the mornings, have her lunch at 1 p.m. exactly, and then spend the afternoon editing her writing. And she fell in love with work and being a working, independent woman. Wow. So she's very cool. Check out her biography. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Obviously
0: had a lot to get off her chest, right? Yeah. 600 pages in a did. few months.
2: <laughs> oh
0: Steph, what's most important to you when it comes to building a new home?
1: Okay. I want a builder who's an expert in what they do. Is going to be honest with me and cares about even the smallest of details. Well,
0: thankfully we know just the builder.
1: You know it. It's Jay and Connie Luby with Luby Companies.
0: Friends, don't just take our word for it. Go check out their website at lubycompanies.com. That's L-U-E-B-B-E companies.com.
1: Let them be your builder for life. They're freaking awesome.
0: Okay. So thinking of you and your family, right? What you've done is amazing. But I think it would be tough because you know too much. (laughs) So when you would go into a public setting, it would be like, oh my gosh, I'm annoyed by everything. Are you barbarians? How do you live like this? So do you have any horror stories, I guess, (laughs) from showing up at a wedding or showing up at a funeral or what are some of the etiquette horror stories that you've experienced, you and your family?
2: I think actually some of the worst ones are when people think that we as a family are going to be very judgmental and they want us to enter that space with them. So when you're with someone and they start calling out someone else's behavior Mm. as terrible and bad and all of this, and in my head, I'm going, talking about this is not good etiquette, (laughs) like pointing out (laughs) other people's flaws. flaws. And acting as if you're on some kind of pedestal for being able to do so is just so uncomfortable for me when I'm out in the world. So it's, it's, We see bad behavior all the time. I won't lie. I was just on a flight and there was a lot of bad behavior all around me. I had the person behind me to the right, had their headphones so loud. I could hear the whole song. They were, they were playing on repeat. Uh, And then the person in front of me put her seat back all the way and it like crushed my computer screen. So I just, you can see it. I also, we got onto the flight and the guy, a couple of rows in front of us was on a FaceTime call without headphones. Oh, that no. kills me. That kills me. Here's the thing, though. In etiquette, we really say it's not our place to judge. It's not our place to correct other people whom you're not responsible for. So, if you're a parent teaching a child, yes, identify the behavior that you're not happy with and talk with your child about that during a time where it's not necessarily going to embarrass them. But if you're an adult to another adult, uh, uh-uh. we do not have a right to be correcting each other. You know. Be the example that you you want to see in the world around you. I mean, that is such a powerful quote that we've all been familiar with for years. And it it could not be a better thing to try to live by when it comes to etiquette.
1: Uh, okay. I got to ask. Yeah. Have you talked to anybody that has married into your family and they were so nervous (laughs) to date you guys
0: (laughs) or
2: coming to your first (laughs) Christmas
0: I'd be freaked out.
2: Yes! So I don't know about married into. I think um, it's been interesting sometimes watching like our in-laws, their families catch on to what it is that, that their partners do, or at least are associated with. But I will tell you that one of my nearest and dearest friends, she knew about the Emily Post tradition, and she and I met through a mutual friend. We happened to both be at the same golf club and the mutual friend was like you guys have to go play a round of golf together you'd be such good friends and so we set it up to do it and she said I was so nervous to meet you and to play golf with you. And now this is where I'm going to pull the curtain back a little bit. I am not a perfect person. And I admit that one of the unfortunate things I have developed in my life is a bit of a sailor's mouth. And I know that might seem ironic given my job. So it's it's an annual thing on my podcast that my work every year is to work on my language and to not let it slip to that, that kind of place and to come up with good alternative words so that I'm not not as offensive as a person out there in the world. And she said, you and I got onto that golf course and I realized you were such a normal person. I had nothing to worry about. And she said, and I, I was dying to schedule our next get together. Like, so it was really nice. She's, she's one of my nearest and dearest and she is one of those incredibly polite, wonderful people out in the world. And she swears and she, you know, like it was, but it was really funny. Cause I do that perception that my cousin and I or my family are perfect is really out there. And it, it's frustrating. to to have people hold it against us. And it's also really wonderful to let folks know everybody is human. No matter if you're an expert in this field or you have never heard of the word etiquette, we can all be working on our behavior. Okay, I
1: have to ask my next question. Okay. As a Post family, do you guys do formal... Everything, like dresses, tea tie. Christmas. Yes. Butlers. Yes. Like, does everyone have to wear, you know, their three-piece I suit? I so wish.
2: Um, no. So I, I've grown up and lived my whole life in Burlington, Vermont, or in the the Champlain Valley area in Vermont. Vermont's a much more casual society. It, it it's it's not New York City uh where you're going to experience a lot of formalities. So, I hate to burst the bubble, but our family's very casual. Growing up the joke was actually that my my father's family, the posts, are known for etiquette, and they were the place where we could wear jeans to Christmas. And my mother's side of the family was the family where you could not wear jeans to a for, to a holiday, and we had to say yes, Granny, and no, thank you, Granny, and you couldn't say hey. So it was really interesting. I had this like other side of the family that almost held the rules harder and practiced that level of formality, whereas my post side of the family really focused on being welcoming putting people at ease Uh, I should say not that my other side of the family wouldn't put you at ease and you wouldn't have a good time with them but the formality was more experienced on that side than it was on the post side which was much more casual family
1: Hello, friends. We just wanted to take a moment here to say thank you to all of you loyal listeners.
0: That's right. We just found out that Tell Us a Good Story is now in the top 2% of all podcasts worldwide. And that's because of you sharing us with your family and friends on social media and giving us positive reviews on the Apple Podcast app and all the other platforms. So please keep it
1: up. And to get more information about us or our entire catalog of episodes, be sure to check us out at kevinandsteph.com. Thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.
0: So the other thing mm-hmm. about being part of the Post family and about yeah. being Lizzie Post, all right, <laughs> I would love the power of being able to make up rules as I go, okay? And it would just, it would be rules, right? So if it, if I do something the house, I would just make up a rule that would make that behavior proper <laughs> etiquette. So the one thing I would kind of advise for your next book, if you can put this in your next book, I do have one thing I'd like to include as new etiquette. All right. So we are here in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. I would like to include in there that if someone here in Columbus, Ohio has the audacity to schedule their wedding during an Ohio State football game... (laughs) That it is my proper right that I can wear my Ohio State jersey to their wedding, <laughs> to their wedding and reception. That that is proper Noted. etiquette.
2: I will. I will think about that for the twenty-first <laughs> edition. Um, one of the things that we really try to get across to folks about Emily Post etiquette is that we are really a barometer of social customs in this country, rather than a dictator of them. So we try to keep a finger on the pulse of what Americans experience and how they react to it rather than sitting in our, our high castle and saying, aha, we say this should be done this way and follow it. You must. Um, That's what I would do. I know you would. But I think that that if Emily or if any of the subsequent generations had just made the rules up as it suited them, that we would not be here talking. I wouldn't have a brand to represent today. I really love the fact that we really try to put that finger on the pulse of American culture and have that reflected back in our work.
1: Mm.
0: So Steph, that sounds like a hard no. I think, it's yeah. I think that's what that was.
2: She was really nice, though, to say. <laughs> yeah. I was very, she was
1: very <laughs> she was, kind. She, she
0: was very kind about that.
2: I'm a big New Orleans Saints fan, and I would like the idea of being able to to dress in Saints gear for, for a wedding. But, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe it's the kind of thing where you do that as your undershirt, you know, or you make – this also could be a good call for some cufflinks. maybe a good Christmas present. <laughs> um, I actually love that idea.
0: I've got to tell you, this website, emilypost.com, is phenomenal.
2: It's oh good.
0: There are so many good articles on there about etiquette from how to teach your children etiquette. You can print out things on how to set dinner parties for your kids, teaching them how to deal with bullies, all kinds of stuff, how to deal with your toddler. There were things like holiday etiquette, holiday gift-giving etiquette for your coworkers. There was holiday house guest manners, which I thought was...
2: It's a good one. That's a a really important one.
0: (laughs) Holiday house guest manners, which reminds me, random question here, Lizzie.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't want to mention any names, but is it okay to bring Tupperware to the Thanksgiving party? (laughs) And let me rephrase this. Is it okay to only bring Tupperware (laughs) to a Thanksgiving party and nothing else?
2: So I I would have to say no. Um, I think the only Tupperware and nothing else is probably a bit presumptive. The Tupperware even of itself is a bit presumptive. I think that instead you want to let your host offer, would anyone like to take home some leftovers so they can enjoy that great turkey sandwich the next day? What I would probably do is I would probably bring the Tupperware, but leave it in my car. (laughs) And that way if the host offered, I could say, you know what? I happen to have some Tupperware (laughs) in the car for just such a reason. Um, I think that would be a cute way to handle it. Um, But what I love hosts, is that when you plan for the fact that Thanksgiving is a meal people often want leftovers for, and you say in your invitation, please bring some Tupperware with you so that if there are leftovers, we can make sure you go home with some. Oh, and that's I think good. That's the way to handle that one.
1: Well, <laughs> that's really good. Well done, Lizzie Post.
0: So, okay, reading through the tips. Yeah. I loved it where it talked about... Don't you dare show up before 15 minutes early. That yeah. is rude.
2: Oh, you don't even show up early. You want to show up on time, never early for any any kind of hosted event. Yeah.
0: You talked about do not act at a party as if you have not eaten for a week. Right? Yeah. Because there's so many people who just <laughs> gorge themselves like, well, we don't have enough food now for the rest of the party.
2: Yeah. You want to take t- t- sort of take small portions to start and come back for more later. We never want people to feel shamed for being hungry or for having a good appetite. Uh, But you want to make sure that you're not making it so everyone else can't access some of the, the great side dishes and things like that, too.
0: Yes. The other thing I remember from that article was the final tip was bring your best self to the meal. Yes. Meaning you need to take part in the conversation
2: absolutely don't
0: sit in the corner be a bump on the log don't be yeah. completely dead silent there's no energy in the room you need to come with your best self and actually participate in the conversation which absolutely. i love that
2: Absolutely. And if you're looking for low hanging fruit to talk about, we call them tier one conversation uh, topics. Things like sports, weather. I know people think weather is so boring. It can actually be a very exciting and communal topic to talk about. The the shared atmosphere around you is something easy to reach for. And when in doubt, asking people about themselves is one of the easiest things you can do. What do you like to do in your spare time? How how do you like to enjoy your time? Rather than asking? asking about someone's job, what they do, or definitely rather than asking if they're married or have children. uh, These are things we really try to suggest you stay away from and instead let people volunteer those things into conversation and then you can ask about them.
0: What about if I ask people if they're pregnant? Is that appropriate or not? Yeah, Lizzie? no, that no. would fall
2: into that. Do they have children? Are they on their <laughs> way to having children kind of conversation? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but all will The articles, again, I'm kicking myself because like I them? could have known this. The one thing that was in there was about how to handle dealing with tough times, hard yeah. times. So, for example, at a funeral grieving, I had yeah. a situation a couple years ago where a coworker of ours from another department was killed in a car wreck, car accident, going home from work.
2: Oh, that's awful.
0: So our entire finance team, we went to the viewing. We're meeting his wife. We're meeting his parents. We have no idea what to say. It is literally just like, I'm so sorry for your loss.
2: That's basically the right thing to say. That's the
0: only thing we knew to say. But there are so many good tips here on when you're dealing with a funeral – or anything, it's super helpful. And hey, here's the oh, appropriate so etiquette. Glad. It's I'm very so good. I'm so
2: glad. This was one of the chapters we expanded the most upon in the Centennial Edition, the one that's out right now, which I also do just want to give a shout out. This book's first printing has sold out Woo! and it now has a second printing. And I just got word today we have a third printing coming as well. But um, if you are looking for a signed copy to give as a gift, you're going to want to go to emilypost.com. There's a button on every single page right at the top that says sign copies order here it goes through a local vermont bookstore that we are really proud to support and if you're worried about giving an etiquette book as a gift <laughs> 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 you just say really thought this topic would interest you or you are so gracious this had your name written all over it great things to say so someone doesn't think you're giving it because they've got bad behavior yes hint <laughs> That's hint awesome. yes i could totally
0: see it there's subtle message here hey hint you have poor etiquette.
2: No, yeah, right,
1: right, right. I know, but
0: I could see how somebody would take that.
1: Oh, no, 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 absolutely. I loved how she phrased it though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, Steph, I'm going to test you again here. What is your favorite book of all time?
1: Uh, Obviously, it's the Bible, Kevin. (laughs) Yes. Nailed it.
0: Very good. This time, you didn't say the book we wrote called You Met Her Where.
1: But it's still a really good book. That is true. And it would make a great gift for friends or relatives on their birthday or for Christmas.
0: Friends, you can order your copy of our book titled You Met Her Where at KevinAndSteph.com. And we will make sure to personally sign a copy for you or whoever you want.
1: And as always, thank you for listening to Tell Us a Good Story.
0: All right, Lizzie. So for all of our guests, I like to give a list of fun facts to share with listeners so they know what you've done, what you've accomplished, and Steph is not aware of any of this.
2: Okay. We'll get her reaction. You're going to see her (laughs) genuine reaction, okay? Okay. So the,
0: the first set of fun facts is about... Emily Post. And then the last set of fun facts is about you.
2: Oh, my goodness. I okay. will be so curious what you found and if it's true. <laughs>
0: okay, yes. Might be, this might be two truths and a lie of fun I facts here. It, I love it. <laughs> All right, stop. So, upon publication in July 1922, the book Etiquette in Society, in Business, in Politics, and at Home topped the nonfiction bestseller list. The phrase, according to Emily Post soon entered our language as the final word on the subject of social conduct. Mm. So, with that being said, is this a running joke in your family? Because it would be for me that if something's going wrong with like Frank's, you know, got his arms on the table, do you throw out the words, according to Emily Post at all times with family.
2: I will tell you that this happened recently and I've never I've never actually done it, but I saw my dad using his silverware really awkwardly the other day and I was like, you know, according to us, that's not the way you do that. What are you doing? And my mom goes, he's been doing this for years. Yeah. And I was like, well, I that just looks strange, Dad. And poor Dad felt so called out. And every I used to write these books. I know what I'm doing. It was great. It was great.
0: Caveman over there. Come on, Dad.
2: It was really, really funny.
0: So next fun fact. After her book was published, Emily Post, who as a girl had been told that women cannot work, was suddenly a celebrity. And immediately, mm. she became a public profile. So in 1929, she began her next career as a radio personality.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. wow.
0: Her show was sponsored by General Electric, and the radio program stuff was so popular and successful that FDR, Franklin Delano uh-huh. Roosevelt, said the greatest compliment he received after he started his fireside chats was, you're as good as Emily Post.
2: <gasps> Woo! I have heard this. I would love for someone to be able to verify where it comes from, but I have heard this too. I have heard this fact too.
0: <laughs> can you imagine, like Isn't that the cool? president is yeah. aware of you and admires the work you've done, and as a female,
2: yeah, back that then time. as well, it makes yeah. it even
0: more significant.
2: Absolutely. Those shows, by the way, are at the Library of Congress, and you can access them. Her voice was so dreamy. It was like sing-songy, dreamy, mid-Atlantic accent, just fascinating to listen to and think about from an an old world kind of perspective. Mm -hmm.
0: So then in 1940, Emily's syndicated newspaper column, Social Problems, appeared in 150 newspapers across the country. She received more than 5,000 letters a week from readers.
2: Can you 5, imagine having to organize that without like email drop like boxes oh my and gosh. stuff yes. like that? Like...
0: So every year you're getting 250,000 letters
2: from listeners. Yeah. I mean, she was popular. Do you know, did she have her own staff at that point? She had, from what I know, an assistant. And, and there have been a couple of them over the years. And I do believe her son started helping her at some point manage things. Wow. Wouldn't that feel like
0: you're Santa Claus? Like every week, all when you're the time. Getting, when you're, yeah, every week when you're getting yeah. that amount of mail at all yeah. times.
2: But if you guys think about
1: it, that would have to cost her a lot of money just sent mailing things back.
2: Yeah, true. I would think so. That's good crazy. thing that book was selling.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Then in 1960, Emily Post passed away at the age of 86 yeah. mm. in her Manhattan apartment. Life magazine wrote about her that day. The world has lost its best known arbiter of good conduct. Mm. So it literally became a national figure still known today worldwide. Mm-hmm. But then in the early 2000s,
1: A young woman by the
0: name of Lizzie Post (laughs) became the first fifth-generation post to join the Emily Post Institute when she Mm -hmm. agreed to write a book for young adults titled, How Do You Work This Life Thing? Mm. She is co-president of the Emily Post Institute, as well as co-host of the Awesome Etiquette podcast, which is a weekly Q&A show. Mm -hmm. And she does speaking engagements across the country about lifestyle and wedding etiquette. Oh. So, what is a wedding like in the post family? Because I was oh. telling Steph earlier, I'm like, Steph, I would just think the pressure, because you mentioned not everybody's judging, but yeah. everyone is noticing all the details at the wedding. So what is a post family wedding like?
2: It really depends on the post getting married. My cousin Casey did a surprise wedding in Colorado with his bride. And I, I believe like all the parents and people that were closest to the family didn't know that the wedding was going to happen. So like they took them up to this big hill for some kind of picnic or something like that. And then boom, we've got the person who's going to officiate the wedding. <laughs> and we made the whole thing happen. So surprise wedding, you know what I mean? Um, and all of our weddings entailed dancing. And my cousin Jill's wedding, I think had the best dancing Every single post-family member was on that dance floor the whole night, shaking it around. I was so happy that evening. I just, I have the, oh God, I don't want to tear up, but I have the fondest memories of dancing with my mom, my dad, and my sister at that wedding. And it just like... That will be cemented in my mind for forever. And she had a donut bar as the closing, like, go home, goodbye, like, take a little something with you thing. Oh,
0: that That is so cool. That might be my favorite (laughs)
2: post-wedding. Dancing and donuts, right there. Dancing and donuts. (laughs) Should I ever get married? I don't know how I'm going to top these, but I'm hoping we could figure something out should it ever happen. (laughs) Well,
0: Lizzie has worked as a spokesperson for brands including Bank of America, American Express, Platinum. Airbnb, and Marshalls. Mm. Mm -hmm. She makes frequent media appearances. She has been interviewed, Steph. You ready for this? NFL Films.
2: That was a really fun one. If you get to see it, it's called like a gentleman of the game or something like that. It is such a fun
0: piece. Okay. So what do they ask you? uh, Oh my gosh.
2: Everything from, is it okay to spit on the field? To (laughs) should you like help someone up? It was, it's a riot. It's just a laugh riot. And I love it because they've got all the players talking about etiquette on the field. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure this was also at the time of Andrew Luck, who was really famous for being incredibly polite. Very like, nice. To yes. the people who sack him and stuff like that. I mean... Really fun. <laughs> well, plus the fact that you love NFL football. I bet you love I this. Bet.
0: Yeah. Saints I, did. Fan. I,
2: I was in hog heaven. My cousin was jealous as ever. He's a huge Patriots fan. We are both completely in love with Tom Brady. Yeah. I mean, just completely in love with him. He can do no wrong in my book. Um, but getting to do that interview was like just the tops. Yes. That was amazing. <laughs>
0: oh, that's fun. Steph, she's been interviewed by NBC's Today Show, Fox and Friends, Live with Kelly and Michael.
2: Wow.
0: Vanity Fair, Time Magazine, New York Times, Wall Street Journal. I mean, it goes on. Chicago Tribune, Harper's Bazaar, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, <laughs> and tell us a good story.
1: Okay, I have a question. <laughs> the last being the most important. <laughs> we were so kind of like nervous, like what should we dress like? Will she have a comment like, well, this is not really how you're supposed this to dress. This is not Zoom or, etiquette. Yes, not Zoom <laughs> etiquette. Or we knew you were going to be here early. So has other people who interviewed you said, you know, we were really nervous or how they were, you know, sitting up straight? Was there things that they were doing where you're like, oh my gosh, they're trying to like
2: impress me?
0: Or is it just us, Lizzie? Yeah, are we the only ones yes. who get nervous but, talking you know, to you ahead of time? It's
2: funny. It's it's a mixed bag of everything. We get some some media request forms that are really formal. Would Ms. Pose be willing <laughs> to come on our show? You know, just like very formal, and it, it's it's wonderful. We also get some that are demanding and callous. You know, if you can't do this, I'm gonna find somebody else. And you're just oh like, oh my gosh, okay, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. if if it works, it works great. You know. So I gotta say, I was kind of wondering what you'd be like, and it's. it's it's nice I I don't want to like compliment myself here but the, I I appreciate when someone says you really made me feel comfortable and this mm-hmm. conversation was frankly more interesting than I anticipated.
1: Okay, Lizzie, you are so well spoken. However, yes, very. Has there ever been an interview where you started like tripping over your words,
2: like you saw Drew Brees? <laughs> oh gosh, you- yes, <laughs> like a hundred percent. I first of all, I don't know who it is that speaks out of my mouth when the mic turns on because she's not the person in my head who's going, "Oh my gosh, I'm supposed to say that, but I didn't say that." It's but I actually gave a, gave a talk recently down. Uh, in Florida. And the whole time it was going, my my brain was really scattered. And I had no idea if I had already talked about the Emily history piece, or if I needed to talk about the etiquette now. Piece. It's like, there are definitely times where I can get lost in my thought and be really unsure and, and not confident. And, um, a lot of the times I think you got to trust yourself that when you've been doing your job a long time, when you know your material, that it, it's going to come out right or at least understandable to those around you. We are our own worst critics. So in my head, everything should be better. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, I really appreciate that whoever this, this version of me that hits the mic manages to at least communicate some of it correctly.
0: Steph, <laughs> final fun fact here. In October 2022, the centennial edition of Etiquette was published with Lizzie and Daniel Post-Senning as the primary authors.
1: Very cool. So
0: Lizzie, can you share some information about this book that your publisher sent us, which is incredible. Yes. Incredible. Can you please share more details about this? Because you were telling us about this earlier, and this is fantastic news that it's like selling out.
2: I am... I am so excited about this book. This is the first time the book has ever been rewritten from scratch. We have always updated it every five years. Emily updated every five years and each generation that's carried it on has done the same. So the advice is always modern, no matter what. But this particular edition is so special. It is. It marks the 100th anniversary of the printing of the book. Uh, It's one of the longest nonfiction books printed in American publishing history. Um, And that's really, really exciting to us. What I love about this one is that when we came to the publisher with this idea, we said, listen, this is really a book we want to celebrate. We We do not want our book to be an encyclopedia of etiquette anymore. It's not going to work. We've got Google. We've got websites. There's a lot of better ways to search for this material than an 850-page book, which is what we were starting to push into with the 19th edition. And it's got like a two-column format, so it really reads like a dictionary or an encyclopedia. But I started the writing process for the, the 100th anniversary edition by reading the 1922 edition again and really finding ways to emulate Emily. And the things I took away from her were that storytelling is a great way to teach people rather than lists of do's and don'ts. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways Emily accomplished storytelling in her book that really got her a lot of credit and earned her a lot of favor in the world was through her characters. She named them silly things, like there's a Mr. Door Slammer in her original book who every time you ask them a question, they just shut it down with a one-word answer or dismissive, like, no, I don't like that. And they give you nowhere to go. They just Mm -hmm. slam the door on the conversation. So it was really fun bringing these characters back. It was really fun trying to make the book something you could really sit with rather than something that you would just flip through to find one exact answer. Oh, that's good. I love that. (laughs) Well,
0: listeners, for more information about Lizzie and the Emily Post Institute, you can go to emilypost.com and please check out Lizzie's podcast called Awesome Etiquette, a weekly Q&A show that explores the topic of etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. Well, Lizzie, you and your family are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for saying yes to Steph and I and having a conversation with us here and tell us a good story. And thank you for not calling me out on any improper zoom (laughs) etiquette or anything you guys are great i may have done wrong feel free to do that after we stop recording here so thank you i have
2: nothing to say on that front you guys have been such amazing hosts thank you so much for letting me share this topic and my family's story with the tell us a good story audience i was really honored to be asked to be on your show and i've had such a wonderful time i mean this has just been an absolute blast